I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. I never, great way to start, I never complain about the refs. Never in any sport do I complain about any kind of officiating, umpiring, refereeing. It's weak to me. It's just, it's like a a lot of the time. A lot of the time it is a cop-out. It's just, you know, oh, blame the refs. People do it all the time. That has annoyed me. Never ever blame them. Never ever get mad. Well, I get mad at them. I get frustrated, but never ever will I not even just wholeheartedly blame them. Never will I really put a chunk, even just a portion of the blame on them because I always feel like the game will work itself out in other aspects and areas. So I don't do that. I, I just I never get on refs or officiating or anything like that. But I gotta tell you, man, watching the Knicks over the years and holding all that back, and then to have to see them finally have a, a decent season, right? It's nothing crazy, but they're finally looking like a credible basketball team. But to see them not get respect that other average teams are getting. It's beyond me. And it's so frustrating to keep my mouth shut. So that's why if you read my blogs or if you listen to these podcasts, you've probably noticed that lately I've been letting it go a little bit in expressing my frustration against these officials. Because it's gotten to a point with me, I'm so frustrated I can't even just fucking shrug it off and say, oh, you know what, they had their areas where the Knicks needed to execute, they couldn't do it. I mean, I'm sure there were, and we'll get to those points, but watching this Knicks team, especially over the last month or two, at times, it's like, what was that fucking dude's name? Tim Tim Donahue? It feels like there's three of him out there every night. It really does. It feels like like a total fix. And I hate, I hate the way I sound. I hate the way I sound. Because I feel like I'm becoming one of those guys. But I'm sorry, man. I, I, I It's gotten to a point where it's like, really, dude? This is what we have to sit through every night? I mean, this team is sitting through this shit. And they, they, they keep finding ways to win. Tonight they didn't, but, you know, just so many bullshit, controversial calls that that shouldn't even be controversial, some of them. I sat through it all these years. I sat through Mello get murdered in the paint. Collect an offensive rebound, get murdered again. And the refs sit there, whistle still in their mouths. I said nothing. Superstar player, Hall of Fame player. 
And now we're kind of seeing it with R.J. Barrett. He gets banged around. Julius Randle, tonight, not getting the respect he deserves. Knicks lose 101-100 to Philly. I'm not even going to bother. Don't even know why, why, don't even know why I put them uh, in the title. But I don't even want to bother talking about that Magic game. That's in the back of my mind. Now that's gone. But the fucking... This, tonight's game against the 76ers, man. You just can't make that call. You can't do it. Knicks end up losing 101-100 to against Philly. Their 15th loss in a row against them. They're 0-15. Ben Simmons has never lost against the Knicks. We've seen that post before. Um... One and five in the Atlantic Division. That's a problem. Can't beat the Nets. Can't beat Philly. The Raptors always give us a tough time. But the way it happened, the way tonight happened, you know, and I'm I'm willing to shrug off that Brooklyn debacle with the fucking uh, with Scott Foster's bullshit. Whatever. We'll we'll put that aside for now. Because tonight's one that I, I just don't think you can do. So so the Knicks are... There's less than a minute left in, in regulation here. The Knicks are down one. Alec Burks strips Ben Simmons. Runs the break. Julius is on his left. And what does Burks do? He, do, he does what he usually does in, in the fast break. Is he botches it. He, he misses a layup. Sixers hit the ball. They go up by three. The Knicks have the ball back down three. Randall misses a bunny. Right after an ATO. This is in an ATO, which the Knicks are not very good in ATOs this year. We've spoken about that um, maybe an episode or two ago. This is episode 223. Um, if you're listening, uh, I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Welcome to the podcast, BD4. So, Sixers go up three. Randall misses the bunny. Harris gets fouled on the other end. But he misses both free throws. So the Knicks still have a shot here. Down three with a couple seconds left. The Knicks get the ball. Randall goes in the corner. The right corner shoots a three. And, you know, a couple of Kawhi Leonard bounces later. It goes in. And the Knicks have themselves a tie ball game. Sixers then throw the ball away. A lot of fumbling in this one. And eventually goes into Randall's hands. He pulls up in the final seconds from about 30 feet away, trying to, you know, be Carmelo Anthony on Easter. But he misses this one, and the game goes to overtime. Overtime starts out, Alec Burks hitting some big-time shots. You know, he did miss that one on the break at the end of regulation, but he hit a lot of big fourth-quarter shots, and the overtime came, he started the Knicks off strong. He hit some big shots. Reggie Bullock then hits a clutch three later. RJ with the big layup. The Knicks up one point in the final seconds. And then, Knicks up a point, 100 to 99. Final few seconds. No timeouts left for the Knicks. Here they are battling against the glass, and Randall gets called for the most pathetic, feeble, bullshit of a loose ball foul in the world. 
Harris redeems himself, and this time he hits both free throws, and the Sixers end up winning the game. The official who made that call, Leon Wood, take this as you may, is a former 76er. Now, he had a couple coffee there at the start of his career, played there for about 30-something games, maybe a little more, like not even two full seasons. But just keep that in mind. He made the call. Um, And then there's the excuse, oh, they only had two officials. It was tough. No, no, no. You don't need three officials for that. That doesn't excuse Wood for blowing the whistle there on a cheap gimme call right in front of him. And on top of that, not even following through and giving Tom Thibodeau a challenge. They're saying they didn't hear it. I don't buy that for a fucking minute. Because again, sitting through all the bullshit we've had to sit through in years, piling up on top of each other as Knicks fans, I don't buy that. I I, I don't want to say it, but sometimes it feels like they have something against New York Knicks. Regardless though, you know, even if that challenge would have been upheld. You just don't make that call at the end of a game. The entire game was physical. There were very little whistles being called. They let the they let the two teams play. It was an average called game. But to go and do that, call a ticky tacky cheap little bullshit foul on loose Ran- on Julius Randle for for you know playing patty cake on, on Tobias Harris' back. I mean, how weak and feeble do you have to be to make that whistle, to blow that whistle there? You never see that happen. Was it a foul? Sure. But then call that other times. Because other teams are not getting that call for them. You never see that shit. So it's not that that I'm mad at. It's, it's I'm mad at the inconsistency, the wildly inconsistent officiating here. The play being a foul is besides the point. Not to mention, I, I can go on a whole other round on how fouls are so easily called to where the purpose of a foul is supposed to be so you can prevent the other guy from getting an unfair advantage. That play right there, I don't... I, that, that's, that's Julius did not have an unfair advantage by doing what he did to Tobias. But even if you want to call that a foul, you don't call a light, light, light foul like that at the end of a ball game to decide it. That's not how... you got to let those two teams play. I just want some fucking consistency. And let's not forget that unwarranted tech that Julius got for, for Bradley, I think his name was, holding on to his fucking leg earlier in the game. Earlier in the night. He was literally hugging his leg like a toddler. And somehow Randall gets a tech for that. Bradley, you know, the Knicks got the two free throws too, but Randall shouldn't have gotten anything there. This guy's doing shit that Larry Bird has only done. And we're sitting through bullshit like this. It's unfucking believable Unbelievable. I, I can't... I just can't sit through it and be like, okay, sure, sure, yeah, 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 whatever. It's okay. We'll get it next time. And the Knicks had their, their shots to, to capitalize and they didn't. I can't. I, I can't shut my mouth anymore. It was just... So frustrating. Super fucking frustrating. Anyway, the game itself was was one the Knicks needed to take. Or almost needed to take. You don't have to call it a must win, but... Mm, you would have loved for the Knicks to, 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 to fucking take it. Spitting all over the fucking place. 
but they didn't. They did not take it, and they ended up losing, and now they are uh, a game below 500. Um, again, 0-15 against the Sixers is bad. 1-5 against the Atlantic this year is bad. But that's a tough one. Tough fucking way to lose a game. And sure, the Knicks have their, you know, their, their faults too. But, like, I'm not going to keep playing that game. You know, they, they, what, 15 points in the first quarter. They had four points in, like, the first half of the first quarter. So a very poor first quarter. They let Danny Green go off on them in the final quarter plus overtime. Showing why he's a two-time champ. People want to talk about how he's washed up. Well, he's still hitting big shots now. Has won two rings with two different teams. Is working on his third here with Philly. That would be impressive. But you can't let Shake Milton score 21 points on 60% on you. That can't happen. Too many. T- we had 20 turnovers tonight. Very sloppy with the ball. We had what were we, 56.5% on foul shooting. That's pathetic. I get it. I totally get it. We had our issues. RJ missed another big three down the stretch there. But fucking hey, I just fucking can't shut my mouth about these guys who are getting paid to do their job and not doing it. It's gotten to a point where I'm just fucking sick of it. So I had to get that rant out of the way. Positives of the night? Yeah, the Knicks fought hard against the a top Eastern Conference team. Last year, when they fought hard against the top Eastern Conference team, we were happy and we took that as a moral victory. This year, we're upset about that. About losing. Right? So that goes to show the progression we've made as a franchise. But you want to win it. The positives, though, well... There were a lot of good individual performances, you know. Um, I guess we'll say, you know, Burks and Reggie continue to show up lately. These are two guys who've been very, been, you know, very streaky, hot and cold this year for the Knicks. Um, but we need them here, and they're showing up lately, and they're going to have to keep this this up for me to totally buy in on them. You know, we need them for this stretch here to close out the rest of the year because it's a hell of a slate. Burks, uh, Burks had 20 points tonight. Again, hit a number of clutch shots. Bullock only had six in like 49 minutes, but he was two for three from downtown, and he played some more very strong defense. Manuel quickly, pretty bad at point guard, starting point guard tonight. He's going through a bit of you know a rough patch. Um, 26 minutes, 10 points, but on 12 shots. Zero assists as the starting point guard. It's looking more and more every day like he's going to be this six-man scoring punch. And that's not a bad thing. That's totally fine. And that's what I've said he was since day one. But we just need Derrick Rose back. I really... We need D-Rose back to play that starting point guard role. And then we could have IQ come off the bench for him. Um, Ideally. Because we know what what we're going to do when everybody's healthy. You know who we'll be starting at point guard in. We'll be back to to him just doing his usual tunnel vision bullshit. But, um, why the fuck am I frozen, man?
Hold on. One sec. Good. I just, I don't know, man. I'm just tired of these tight games just not going our way. Frank, again, not much offense tonight. Continuing to show that he cannot run an offense and Tom Thibodeau should not play him as a lead guard ever again. Needs to play as a two. And not as a one. Noel, I have down here, was fabulous. He was 13 and 10. But man, his hands, so bad. He's the Evan Ingram of the Giants, of the, of the Knicks. Mitchell Robinson returned for a bit. Uh, got 17 bench minutes, 6 boards, 4 points. Then he got hurt again. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> RJ Barrett, 19 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Shot the ball uh, efficiently. Looks more and more comfortable every day, man. His finishing game has gotten so strong. He's so elusive and creative. You know, being able to bully his way to the rim and the way he can finish now. So much easier and so much more effective with his offhand. Obviously, he's great at going left. But his offhand, he's been so good going right this year. Another, uh, he had another nice, you know, little moment there where he duped Ben Simmons in very similar fashion on the baseline. Kind of spun back around and tacked the hoop. So he did it again tonight. Um, I wish RJ would have played a little. I mean, he played 39 minutes, so I guess you can't get too mad. But I just feel like he left him in. He left him on the bench. Tom Thibodeau left him on the bench a little too long there in that fourth quarter. He didn't come back in until like the four-minute mark. But he did play the rest of the night. Um, yeah. The negatives, uh, Julius at 24, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, and 5 steals. I'm sorry, he had uh, not 4 rebounds, I think it's 7. Um, but he just he, you know, he was 7 to 23 from the floor, 30%. 3 ball wasn't falling consistently to start this one. He just, he looks gassed out there right now. You could see he's, those, those minutes are getting to him. He's playing 40 minutes a night out there and... He's this power forward playing point guard, right? He's playing, he's running, the, the offense is running through Julius most of these nights. And especially right now when you don't have Derrick Rose and Alfred Payton, two other ball handlers to take the, the, the weight off him. And you have Obi struggling. You're not getting knocks in the rotation right now. So he's, he's having to do a lot at that forward position and as the ball handler. So he's gassed right now, and it—it's—it's uh, it's, you know quite frankly, it's a bit concerning to me. I, I don't know. I'm not going to complain about it because I want the Knicks to win, and you know I don't think if you give these Knicks, you know, if you're not giving them the the amount of minutes they're getting right now, I don't think you get the amount of wins we have. So, I'm not going to complain. Just going to keep an eye on that because it's Tom Thibodeau, and he's known for that. But we'll see. But he is, he is a little gassed, and we're going to get to that. Because I want to talk about some trades. And um, we had Keese from Sports Vibes TV. 
on the show tonight. Uh, he came on earlier, just before tonight's game against the Philadelphia 76ers. And um, he was great. We talked Knicks, obviously. We uh, talked the state of the team and what we think they should do at the deadline. And maybe in the offseason, we talked some Lonzo Ball. But coming up for the Knicks, got the Wizards two times. Got to take those. Those are both at home. In Milwaukee to play the Bucks again. Hosting the Heat at home. Going to Minnesota to play the Wolves. Got to take that. Hosting the Mavericks. Hopefully we can take that. It's a 50-50 game there. And then going to Detroit to take on the Pistons. Must take that. So these next seven games, I would, ideally, it would be a dream scenario if the Knicks could find a way to get hot and go 5-2. and two. I'll take I'll take four and three, definitely take four and three. But looking at the the schedule we have in the second half as a as a whole, five and two would really benefit if we could destroy the teams we're supposed to beat. Really take care of them. Beat the, we've had so so we've got the Wizards two times in a row coming up next. We need to take them. Bucks and Heat are going to make it a little tougher, but the Wizards two times at home we've got to take these games. All right. Well, I think that's all I have. We might as well get to the episode with with um, Keese and I. And again, Keese is from Sports Vibes TV. I'll have his um, social media handle in the description and stuff. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Anchor, or Spotify, it'll be in the description. Same goes for if you're watching it on YouTube. Keese and I had a great conversation for about. 30-35 minutes about the Knicks, the state of the team, and the upcoming trade deadline. Talk Lonzo Ball and more. You know, Lonzo's obviously a guy who's been in the headlines lately. Do the Knicks swing a deal for him midseason here? Or should they be more patient and wait to where he just costs cap space and nothing else in the, in the summer? So we talked that. And, and I think, you know, my, my little input here real quick if the market, and Keith said this, he made a good point. If the market is slow, then you'll wait it out. But if the market looks like it's going to be busy, and if Lonzo, it looks like David Griffin, and I forget the GM of their, their team, but if it looks like the Pelicans want to move him and the market's pretty busy, then I think you have to jump on it if you're the Knicks. You don't want to miss out on that opportunity because they take him, that, that team who takes him is going to extend him. Because he's an upcoming restricted free agent. So they are definitely going to extend him. Whoever takes him. Does he get traded this midseason here? Um, so if the market is busy. I think the Knicks should strike. You're not going to get much. You, there, there's there, Remember the free agent market is not big. And the Knicks aren't getting a, a big time draft pick. So they're not going to get Cunningham or Suggs. Or anything like that. Right? The Knicks are, are contending this year. I think worst case scenario. They're still out of the lottery knock on wood uh, the Mavs have picked it up they turned it around so they're not going to be anywhere near the lottery um, and then the, the obviously we have the swap with the Clippers but that's again so we're going to have to get it via free agency or, or trade and I think the only guy out there who really fits the mold to be the point guard of the future right now is Lonzo Ball and I really would like him I think he's an excellent playmaker with a fantastic feel for the game 
you know, he's great in transition. His head is always up. He's always looking for everybody to get everybody involved, not like Alfred Payton to where he's just going to worry about himself and get his own shots up or pass to Julius and ignore R.J. Barrett. But Lonzo is somebody who I really think R.J. can thrive with, you know, off the ball. R.J. has been great in those catch-and-shoot three-point scenarios. Tonight he was 0-3, but for the most part, that's his, you know, when he's not operating in the mid-range and when he's not playing that bully ball and attacking the rim, R.J. is very efficient. Uh, effective catching and shooting in that corner. And I think Lonzo Ball is the perfect guy to set him up. Plays some pick and roll, but most of his game is going to be in that in that transition. And he's really good at throwing those outlet passes. Advancing the ball up the court. And I could see him throwing a lot of lobs to Mitchell Robinson. That's going to be a fun thing to watch. Could be. I'm already getting ahead of myself. But he can shoot the ball. Three-point percentage has risen every year. He's scoring just under 15 points per game this year. He's only 23 years old, dude. 23 years old in his fourth season. That's that's huge. He plays defense. He's a good perimeter defender. He's got some size, some length. You know, he's a solid fucking player, dude. He can finish at the rim. He's 60% in the restricted area this year. He's got a nice mid-range, 46% in the mid. He's a good player. He's getting better every year. The one thing I'm concerned about is pass first point guards always bring a bit of a concern as scorers to me. Can they hold it up? Have we seen enough yet from Lonzo to give him the bag or a lot, right? Because if we were to trade for him, it's going to cost at least one first rounder and a bunch of young players. So, and maybe one of those second rounders too. So you have that, but then you have to think about the salary. What's he going to command? Would you go as high as $20 million per year? Or are you going to sit in the year 15? You know, have we seen enough to where you want to go higher than 15? What will he accept? What will he deny? What's he going to command? So, me and Keith talked about Lonzo. We talked about a couple other guys, how the Knicks should acquire some wings who can shoot, maybe create and catch and shoot. Guys who can come off, you know, a pin down and shoot at the top of those. Um, guys who can shoot. In DHO scenarios, you know, those types of guys. There's a playmaker named Evan Fournier, who I am very high on, but I don't know if he'll get dealt. He is in the final year of his deal. Magic are looking like they're going to go into the lottery this year, but guy who can playmake, pick and roll, assist people, but he can also set himself up. He can shoot off the bounce. He can catch and shoot. Another guy who can score in DHO. Another guy who can curl around a screen. Pop it that way. I mean, he's good. I would love him. I would like J.J. Redick. We talked about these guys. We talked about them. So, Keith and I Keith and I had a great conversation for about a half hour. So, um, we're going to get to that right now. So, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. First, let's head to break. Then, we're going to go to the question of the day. And we'll go right into the conversation from there. That Keith and I had about the state of the Knicks. Alright, guys. Let's get to break. Shit is so slow right now. Hold on. <laughs> All right, be right back.
Alright, so, last time out, my fucking tablet is really a piece of shit acting up right now, so we're going to have to do it from here. I don't know, if you're watching the podcast, I don't know if you can see the screen. Probably not, because it's a fucking junky-ass software that I'm using, but fuck it. Um, so, there's not going to be any of that question of the day music, game show music, but um, we'll see if we can get it. But, um, last time out in episode 222... I asked you guys, which former Nick All-Star, which former Nick All-Star once pitched a shutout for the Chicago White Sox? Here we go. The answer to that, Dave DeBusher. Dave DeBusher was the Nick who pitched a shutout for the White Sox. And we're fucking lagging again. Jesus Christ. So this episode's NYY NYK question of the day. The Colorado Buffaloes just defeated the Georgetown Hoyas this past Saturday. Love it. 23-point domination. But which current Nick went to Colorado to play for the Buffaloes? Which current Nick played for the Colorado Buffaloes in college? So message me the answer on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And I'll give you a shout out if you get the right answer. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to BD4. I appreciate it. Now, may as well get to uh, to the episode with Keese and I. Alright, thanks guys so much. Hope you guys enjoy it. Ciao. Yeah, it's, that's a fair point. Alright, um, might as well get right into the Knicks. Um, is it we'll video only? Or is it video and audio or just audio? Uh, if you want to go audio, I could just put you on audio. But if you want to go video, I can put you video. Usually, I just uh, have video too. Okay, I just wanted to double check. I didn't know because I, I was yeah. on somebody else's podcast and they just had it audio, but we were still in Zoom, so I just wanted to double check. Yeah. So usually, I'll have the podcast on like Apple, you know, Spotify mm -hmm. and everything, and I'll put the video on YouTube, which is what you see my channel. You know. Yeah, yeah. I've watched, but I, I never saw you with a with a guest, so I didn't know what. Yeah, the usually I go solo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so we'll, we'll we'll get going. We'll cut out whatever we need to cut out. But um, I I guess we'll, I, I wanna I wanna know your thoughts first off, just before we get into the thick of things, on the Knicks as a unit this year and like how they're doing. I want to know what you what you like about what they're doing. There's a ton to like, but obviously what you like and maybe some things you want to see. You know, maybe Tom Thibodeau tweak a little bit. So I want to hear your overall thoughts on how we've been doing so far. I like how the team has been playing with a lot of effort. I like the, the defensive intensity. Uh, I like how Julius Randle has come along uh, on my channel. I was making a couple points where we should have, you know, traded Julius Randle based off his performance last season. But to see how he's come in this season and worked on his game, you know, he's not doing that, that spin move into defenders and causing turnovers. So to see him kind of rectify those issues, I think is great. Also, yeah. R.J. Barrett. You know, as the season progresses, you're, you're starting to see him kind of come into his own. So those are two positives. You also have Emmanuel quickly. And, you know, right now he's injured or a little bit hurt. But we've seen a lot of flashes from him. And we've seen a lot of moments where he's kind of carried the team pretty much as a spark plug off the bench. So those are some things I've liked. Uh, when it comes to negatives, you've got like Tom Thibodeau and his rotations. Like when yeah. the team is healthy, 
he he tends to stray away from some of the younger players. Uh, for me, this season should have been a developmental season. So I would have preferred if we would have seen a little bit more of Knox and Obi. But what do you, what do you think? What were your some thoughts uh, on how the season's going so far? No, I agree. Um, like you said, dude, the, the Julius Randle thing has been the biggest surprise for me. Um, I was right there with you. I, I thought at the beginning of the season, I was looking at him like trade bait, right? Like if he keeps putting up these numbers, this is a really, really good guy we can trade. But now it seems like with Randall, the better he looks each day, it's like, all right, maybe maybe he's part of this, you know, long-term plan that we're trying to build here. And so I'm really impressed with the way he's been going. Obviously, we have to figure out what we're going to do with the whole Julius and Obi thing, you know, because that's the, they both play the same position and they're kind of difficult to play any other spot on the floor together. Um, I like what RJ's doing. RJ looks tremendous. To me, this is, you know, been a very encouraging year for RJ Barrett. Um, the, obviously, the three-point shot, dude, he's been – that catch and shoot is money, and I'm really, really surprised that he's been able to turn it around that much because he was down to, like, I think, like, the first – week and a half or two weeks, he was at like 18%. And he's got that all the way, you know, hovering around league average now. So he's connecting on the three. He's, you know, his bread and butter is that mid-range, is, is playing that bully ball. So I like what he's doing. Love what Julius is doing. Um, IQ, like you said, this dude's balling out. He's coming off the bench and, you know, occasionally playing in these lineups where he can kind of be that combo guard. Um play the one, slide up at the two, and do his thing. So I, I agree. I think, <clears throat> listen, to be 21 and 21 is a blessing, man. It, it's awesome to be able to contend. Um, but like you said, there are some things I think I tweak too. Uh, like you said, the rotations are a little, you know, a little, uh, I guess he's he's stubborn. You know, Tom Thibodeau could be. Um, like, eventually, dude, I, I want, like, Alfred Payton, it's just – it's not going to cut it, dude. I'm sorry. I, I try to give this guy the benefit of the doubt, but, like, it's just not going to cut it. Like, if he – just just throwing out a point guard who, first of all, he plays at a slow pace. He's he's not a shooter. He doesn't really exist outside of, you know, penetrating. And it just – his good performances are just way too far apart for me. Um, I want to hear your thought. Just, just more about this point guard situation um, and what you think we should do when everybody gets healthy. Well, when everybody gets healthy, I think we've seen how the second unit looks when Emmanuel yeah. quickly gets elevated as a starter, and they're really bereft of any kind of scoring punch. So I think by default, we have to keep either Rose or Peyton as a starter. And coming into the season, I think everybody had the same gripe. Why is Alfred Peyton being put as our starting point guard? I'm not saying that he can't contribute to a team. He's still a, a decent NBA player. He's just not starting caliber, in my belief. And I think until we're able to rectify the point guard position, not only for this season, but until before the future, we're not going to be legit uh, contenders. Because I think right now with Alfred Payton, he's not a player that can really lift the play of those around him. And we're seeing that uh, late in games a lot when, when Alfred is out there on the court. He's really not able to, to make clutch buckets. He's really not there to get people open shots. He's pretty much there just, I guess, to be a, a nuisance on, on defense, which is what 
uh, Tibbs is saying he liked him out there for. But whenever I see Peyton out there, he's usually getting cooked. He's usually getting lit yeah. up. So I'm not 100% sure what Tibbs sees in him. But, I mean, he's on the team, so you got to root for yeah. him. Hopefully he can uh, – because he has had moments. Let me not act like he's been completely terrible. He's had a few 20-point right. performances. And in those – performances he's helped us win games but those are far and few between so if he can get a little bit more consistent with those uh high level uh, I don't want to keep saying performances but that high level of play if he can keep up that intensity I guess in, in a block as opposed to just doing it in spurts then I think we can be a little bit more competitive as a team but until we rectify point guard we're, we're not going to have as high of a ceiling as some people may think yeah, no, you're you're spot on there. Um, and I think, I I think like I would prefer. I think Derrick Rose is a really uh, a really decent stopgap to go at point guard at the moment. You could start him and maybe have IQ get some big minutes off the bench. But I know Thibodeau likes Alfred Payton, so he's probably, whenever he gets healthy, he's probably going to go right back into that starting lineup. Um, but my hope is that we can at least try to diminish his minutes a little bit because the, the, the fit is just with RJ Barrett. I don't know if you saw this stat, but it was like a, like a little before the all-star break, there was a stat I read somebody put out there. It was like him and RJ Alfred and RJ played 150 or 850 something minutes together. And he's assisted him only eight times. And I was sitting there, I'm looking at that. I'm like, that matches the eye test. If you watch these games, he doesn't pass the ball to RJ Barrett. And, a lot of the times we're in there on the floor, it's kind of hard to to thrive offensively. And, you know, when Peyton's out there, the defenses are constantly going under the screen. They're packing the paint, playing that zone defense on us. So, yeah, I'm just hoping eventually we can kind of find a way to get better spacing out there. And that leads me to my next conversation, man, because, you know, these rumors lately, um, it's kind of been in the headlines for a bit. But there's a guy out there, 23-year-old gentleman, He's, you know, known to be a playmaker. He can shoot the three. He can slide up at the two and play off the ball a bit. He plays defense. He can finish. He's pretty crafty. He's got a good feel of the game. And his name's Lonzo Ball. And we're starting to hear some rumblings that, you know, David Griffin and the Pelicans may not see him in their future or they're, they're nervous that he may not resign. And they obviously have Lewis Jr. at point guard. They're trying to develop him. And there's those rumors that Lonzo might be interested in New York. So what do you think? Do you think we should wait until the summer to throw something at him? Do you think we should go after him at all? I want to know your thoughts on on these Lonzo rumors too. Well, I think we should definitely go after Lonzo. I think Lonzo would be, like like we were saying with Peyton, we don't have a long-term solution. Lonzo would solve that instantly. I think Lonzo would be great on the court with both RJ with Julius Randle, because right now the offense runs through Julius Randle. And I think what we see with Lonzo over in New Orleans, he's playing a lot off ball. He's not really the one initiating a lot of the offense. He plays off of, of Zion and Brandon Ingram. So we could probably do the same thing with Julius Randle, except this time when defenses decide they want to double and try to force the ball outside of Julius Randle's hands. We have Lonzo out there who's shooting upwards of what is he at now? I think 38, 39% from three. 39, so, yep. Yep. 
So we're going to have somebody that can make the defense pay if they try to overcommit and, and you know, double Julius Randle. And also, if he is run off the or chased off the three-point line, we already know Lonzo Ball is a gifted passer, so he's going to be able to find the open player and find the right shot. I think it would be a great move for the Knicks. However, uh, my ideal situation would be us signing him in the offseason. Yeah. I mean, if they're, you know, World Wide West is, is in touch with a lot of people around the league. If he's hearing rumblings that Lonzo may be on the move to another team, then I would be open to us actually, you know, making a trade to make sure we secure our point guard of the future. But if it seems like the market for Lonzo was kind of dead, then I'd be, I would be gr happy if we are able to just wait it out and just pick him up in the uh, free agency. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's, you look at the numbers, he's improving every year. The three point shots gone up. He's having a career high points per game, a bit under 15. Um, and he's obviously, like you said, a gifted passer. Um, and he, he's somebody who I really think could thrive with RJ and throwing those lobs to Mitch would be awesome too. Um, what do you think it looks like? What do you think the offer looks like? Do you think he's going to get some, I, I really don't know what Lonzo ball, like 15, I, how high would you go? Would you go 20? annual value would you go I don't know yeah I don't know if we've seen enough from Lonzo to really yep. offer 20 I say the sweet spot would be 16 18 mil a season I think that would be a, a great spot to be in for us but I mean even if we were to go to 20 you're looking at comparable contracts would be like Brogdon Fred Van Vliet they both uh, signed yeah. 20 million or 22 million dollar deals right in that ballpark for four years so I don't think uh, he's as consistent yet to really warrant a, a Fred Van Vliet or Malcolm Brogdon-esque contract. So I'd come in just a little bit under, and I think we can also justify that with the way the pandemic has affected things and how it could potentially affect the salary cap. So I think you can justify coming in a little bit lower than a Fred Van Vliet or a Brogdon-type contract. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, now, going like with, with a bit of... Um, you know, lower tier names. I think what's really important to me, I think the one thing I really want to see, you know, Leon Rose and, and Perry trying to accomplish this deadline is I think the Knicks are in desperate need of a, a wing who can shoot somebody who can, you know, come off of a screen or, you know, play DHOs and shoot that way, or somebody who's good in catch and shoot scenarios and has the ability to create, um, you know, I've heard a couple of names. I've heard J.J. Redick, um, a guy I really like, but I'm not sure is realistic, is uh, the kid we just played the other night in Orlando. Um, what, Terrence Ross? No, uh, Fournier. Fournier. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if they're willing to get rid of him, but you know they are kind of dropping out of the playoffs each and every day. Now they're taking losses, and he is on the – I think he's on the final year of his deal. So there are some names. There's Redick. There's Fournier. Um, you know, people are talking about just – other guys who could just anybody who can shoot. Uh, if there's anybody out there, maybe a reunion with Doug McDermott. I don't know anybody who can <laughs> catch and shoot and give you more consistency than some of the guys we've got right now. Do you think? Do you think we're going to do something like that? Acquire some kind of wing? Because I feel like wings rule the league. I think shooting wings are so important. Yeah, I, I don't know if we will, but I I hope we do because since we've been having this conversation, I feel like we have addressed two of the major holes on this Knicks team. That's going to be point guard and who we're going to upgrade Reggie Bullock with at small forward. Yeah. So I, I would hope they 
try to make a deal. Uh, I think in some of my deals that I've done on the channel, I've tried to address that situation. I think in one trade, I did like Josh Hart. I brought Josh Hart in. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, another trade, I brought in Kyle Anderson from the Grizzlies. Another name people have mentioned with Terrence Ross, uh, Evan Fournier, like you mentioned, has been up in trade rumors. Uh, Robert Covington, that's another name that some people have mentioned, but I don't know if the, the Trailblazers are going to move off from him because they're in their own uh, playoff hunt. So there are some options out there. It's just are the Knicks, do the Knicks feel they're close enough right now that they have to address it in season? Because if they don't feel like they're positioned to where they can make a deep playoff run, I don't know if they're going to start giving up assets outside of maybe a Frank or not even Kevin Knox, because Kevin Knox, you can keep another year. But Frank might have to go if they feel like they can get something that they can at least Rivers. use to... River, well, River, yeah, Rivers could be traded too because right, Rivers is on a three-year deal, three and a half mil for this season, and then the other two avoidable, right, or options. Yeah, they're options. Two of them are options. Yeah. So if you, you're looking at what the Knicks can get for Frank Nitty and Austin Rivers, maybe even Taj Gibson, because those right now are the pieces that we can move, and it really doesn't have a, a major impact to our long-term uh, future. Yeah, I, I agree because I just. You know, looking at the schedule, this second half slate is so difficult, man. We've got some tough, tough competition ahead, and I'm just not sure if we can keep it going with the three-point shooting that we have. Like, Burks and, and Bullock have been good, very strong lately. They've been coming mm -hmm. on. They've been coming around a little bit lately. But I, they're, they're just – I don't know if I trust their shooting on a day-to-day -to, -day to get us through this – I don't I I saw the schedule, dude, and it's some tough teams. I, I just I would feel a whole lot more comfortable if we can get that one more guy without giving up too much. Um but one thing I wish we could do, which it would make sense if if can we at least play Kevin Knox some minutes? Like Obi's struggling nice. right now. We just throw Obi in the freaking corner out there. Sometimes it's like he's not even making an impact. And you know, I know he's got to develop, but Kevin Knox was at least pretty effective to start the year. Now, I know he's kind of relegated to this catch-and-shoot guy standing around the corner, but at least he's he was producing. And I feel like with Obi struggling and the Knicks lacking shooting at times, don't you think we should probably put Knox in the rotation a little more and, and kind of get him going? And I think that would help this team as that stretch four. Yeah, like, like we've been saying, who knows what – Tibbs is really trying to do with his rotations right now. Knox should be getting a decent bulk of the minutes at the three. I think Knox could fill that role that we're saying the Knicks need to go out and, and bring somebody in to kind of fill. And for him to be on the roster and not really getting, you know, legitimate minutes to develop and become a better player in this league, I think is one major uh the merit you got to give Tom Thibodeau because Kevin Knox has the skill set to help us uh, as we make this push to the playoffs. And Tibbs is not giving him time to not only show us what he's, what he has, what he can contribute, but also he could be part of this core that is going to eventually push this team to the playoffs. And he's going to need some minutes to develop and also to build chemistry with the, the players on this team. He's not playing and we really don't understand why. Cause even in the, the two or three minutes he goes in, he's able to make a nice shot. I, there was one, I forgot which game it was, where he was able to make that steal at half court, take it down the court and throw down, you know, the dunk. So 
I don't understand why Kevin Knox isn't getting as many minutes as, say, a Obi. Because Obi really isn't giving us much at the four, but Obi's still out there getting minutes. Why not try putting Kevin Knox at the four? Like, to start the season, I thought Kevin Knox could have developed into maybe a Jason Tatum uh, type yeah. player for us. So why not see if Kevin Knox can give us something at the four? It's not like Obi's a defensive juggernaut and he's <laughs> shutting down the paint by playing power forward for us. Let's no. get Knox in there. Yeah, dude. He... I just feel like it'd be so much better off. If just throw him out there for a couple of games, see what you have. And it, obviously it's easier said than done, but like just Obi, you know what I think we should have done with Obi? Like with Julius playing so well and Obi really struggling, they should have had him in the G League. Now maybe that would have looked really bad sending your number eight pick down there. Maybe that would have quite looked right. And, you know, maybe that would have sparked that LOL Knicks narrative on, you know, not developing their players properly. I don't know, but like, just, I feel like it's kind of counterproductive what we're doing right now. We're just throwing Obi out there for 10 to 12 minutes a night and just sticking him in the corner. And he really hasn't found that go-to skill yet. And I feel like if we're going to do that, why not give those minutes to somebody who's at least, like I said, producing in Kevin Knox. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, like, I think they're, I, I don't want to complain too much. I feel like I'm going on too much of a because again, they're 21 and 21. They are, what are they, the sixth seed or something right now? So I'd have to look it up. Seven. Yeah, it, it's something like that. But they're playing good. They're playing really good. And you have to give them credit. Um, and when the Knicks are, when the Knicks are good, New York is rocking, dude. And I, I just, I hope we can sustain this. Um, now there's these other names that, I don't even I don't want to entertain them at all, but I figured we might as well just talk about them real quick. Um, you know, a lot of people were talking about maybe a little earlier than now, but people were talking about maybe a month or two ago, Bradley Beal coming here. Um, I'm not a fan of that. I just feel like that's too risky. I don't feel like we have the depth to trade and mortgage our future just to get a superstar in here who may or may not make much of a difference and I want to know your thoughts on these Beal rumors. Again, they've kind of quieted since, but what do you think on, on that whole thing? Yeah, I, I was against any kind of like a Bradley Beal trade. Just yeah. like you said, it would be not deep enough. Any trade for Bradley Beal is going to completely gut the roster, both of young talent, young assets, and it's also going to gut the roster of draft picks. If you look at yeah. the, the James Harden deal with the Brooklyn Nets, what did they end up trading? They they traded uh, who did they trade again? They traded Allen, right? Levert. They traded Levert, uh-huh. yeah, and then they traded three firsts and four swaps. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and say Bradley Bill is as good as James Harden, but he's not that big. You know, he's not not that far away. So we would have to trade something comparable, a package that's comparable. And what would we be left with? We'd be left with Bradley Bill, Julius Randle, and some journeyman you know, rotation players. And that's not going to beat any of these upper echelon teams, both in the East or in the West, you know? So Bradley Bill making that trade, I think would just be like the old Knicks. It would have been just like when we went and traded for Carmelo Anthony and we could have just signed him in free agency. It's not ideal for us. Um, Bradley Bill, he's right now on a team with, with Brick Brook. He's on a team with Louis Hachimura, and and Danny of DJ, he's got a decent enough team over there. And if we make a move for Bradley Bill, are we going to be much better than that Wizards team is now? We'd have better coaching. I think Tom Thibodeau is a, is a better 
coach. But outside of that, I don't feel like we'll be a top four seed and be legitimate championship contenders. So I think, no, it would be like a lateral move. We'd get more talent in one person, but we'd lose all our depth. And plus, like you brought up the Nets. Let's not forget, the Nets had Kyrie and KD before Mm -hmm. they traded their depth. Right, the Knicks' two best players are Julius and RJ. Respectable, they're good, but like that's nowhere near the depth that the Nets had before they made that move for Harden. So I just, yeah, I don't, I, I feel like it's why would you mess with something that's working? Right, this core got them where they are today. I don't want to just completely get rid of that just to be hit or miss. Um, so I, w- I would shy away from that too. I don't love the Oladipo rumors. Um, I've heard those. I've heard Andre Drummond. I feel like Drummond doesn't really address a need. I feel like he just – he's a good player, but I feel like he just packs the paint and he's going to be down there. And I feel like, again, if we're going to get somebody big, get somebody who can help us on the perimeter. Um, so what are your thoughts really quickly on Andre Drummond um, potentially coming here? And then the Miles Turner thing, I know you were talking about that too on your show. So Yeah. Uh, if I were to have between the two, Drummond would be beneficial because Drummond you can just – spend some money and bring him in as a, a, a buyout option. Turner is interesting. Me personally, I, I, I'm not a fan of Turner, but a lot of people that watched my channel, they were mentioning it in the comments. So I said, you know what, let me at least give them something they're requesting. So Turner, I guess, helps out outside of drumming because he can space, you know, he can space things out a little bit. But when you look at Turner's stats, his three-point percentage has continually decreased year after year. So you know, yes, he can, he has the threat of shooting it, but if I'm out there playing defense, Turner's the one I want shooting the rock. So that would probably play right into a defense's hands. But, you know, Turner is good because he's solid defensively. I think he's averaging, what, 3.4 blocks, something in that ballpark. Uh, Drummond, he's a liability defensively, but he, he grabs a lot of rebounds and he's he's more offensive-minded than what we would have in Mitchell Robinson. So I don't think the Knicks should be addressing the center position. I think we're fine with Mitchell Robinson, who should be returning. And we're fine with Nerlens Noel backing him up. So those two names, I don't think the Knicks should be using or be going after because we're set at center yeah. right now. We should be addressing point uh, power. We should be addressing point guard and small forward. Right. No, I agree. Um, I was about to... Uh, complete the both of them and say point forward. <laughs> we got we got our point forward right now. Don't worry. And Julius Randle, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Do you think we throw? Do you? I wanted to ask you that too because do you think we throw Julius the bag eventually? Do you think we're gonna wait it out or? That's good. I know. I know you were kind of a uh, skeptical about it. You don't want to throw. Him yeah, too I'm much, still skeptical but... about giving because to max him is a thirty six million dollar a year contract, and I don't know <sighs> if. if Julius nah. Randle is good enough to eat that much of our cap because you have you have to remember uh, when teams that aren't as talented as the Knicks, you have players like a, a Julius Randle and Jeremy Grant who, because they're the focus of the offense, they're gonna get their numbers. Not saying Julius Randle isn't isn't worthy of his All Star selection, but you have to look at the team. There aren't too many other options on this team right now. So Julius Randle is gonna go out there and he's gonna get his numbers like a like a Brickbrook did with the the uh the thunder but how far is he going to lead us 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So are we going to give him 36 mil and then decide, all right, we're going to have to bring somebody else because Julius Randle's not someone that can put this team on his back and, and carry him deep into the playoffs. So I think he can be a piece. I, I, he definitely deserves a raise because right now he's underpaid. He's making about 19 mil after that all-star selection. So I, I'd give him 26 mil, 27 yeah. mil, you know, 28 mil, but 36, no. Mm -mm. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. He is doing some really, really good shit, right? He's going 25, 10, mm -hmm. and 5, whatever it is. But it, it's a lot of money. The good thing is we have that option, right? We have that – we can pick him up for another year and, and kind of wait a bit and yep. see what's up. But, yeah, it's mm, – I don't know, man. It's – they might be – I don't know. They might be forced. It, it all the, the market's not that big right now. There's not a lot of guys out there. But, fortunately, we don't have to make that decision right now. Um you could just let him play out the rest of his deal and, and see what's up. But I'm happy with the way he's playing. I'm happy with the way RJ is playing. I'm happy, again, like we said at the top of the show, that defense, their defense is, is I think it's still top three in the league um, when you look at the points per game and the defensive rating. Um, do you think their defense is sustainable? Because right now I know they have this this scheme where they, they kind of sag off the shooters, the, the, the non-shooters a bit. They kind of let a lot of teams shoot the three. I think they're up there in attempts per game, uh, the Nick opponents, but the percentages is low. They kind of have this, this I don't know, this scheme that Thib Tom Thibodeau is doing. Um, so do you think this D is sustainable? Do you think we're going to need an upgrade there? Do you think we should give more minutes to Frank? I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, eventually, where I'm, where I'm nervous about it is more so in the playoffs. Because yeah. it could be beneficial to let a lot of these non-shooters shoot and let them shoot themselves out the game. Because like we were talking about Miles Turner in one of our wins against the Indiana Pacers, he completely shot them out the game in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's it's worked for us. We've been getting lucky. Will that luck continue? I'm not 100% sure. But right now, what else could we really do with, with the defenders we have out there on, on the, the court? We can't shoot or score with a lot of these teams. So Tom Thibodeau is making a decision. Is he going to, you know, chase down every three-point shooter and, and try to get them off the, the, the three-point line? Or is he going to make sacrifices and say, all right, this, per this is the person we want to shoot. Let's allow them to shoot. Let's allow them to be the reason we lose as opposed to letting whatever star player is, is out there be the reason you know, we lose. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot that you could kind of pick apart, but I think, again, Tom Thibodeau has done a hell of a job. I can't, I can't continue. I can't critique him that much. He's, you know, I know some of the rotations I disagree with. He's very, very, again, stubborn with them, but for the most part, the defense has been really good. Um, when we get Mitch back, it's going to help a lot. Um, I, Noel and Gibson have held it down for sure, but the rim protection that Mitchell Robinson gets is good. He's he's improved his pick and roll coverage. I know they play the drop with him a lot, and he's he's pretty effective there. Um, he's obviously fouling less, and you know maybe we'll play if you know, man. I would love for Frank to get some more minutes, but he's got to start producing consistently too, offensively. Um, I know. Are you a Frank guy? He's kind of controversial in New York, but I'm 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 in the middle. 
There's yeah, games I, where, he's, where he plays well, uh, and I, I would, I could see us sh- signing him to a small deal, maybe similar to what he's on now—five years, six years—and just being a piece off the bench. Or if we trade him for ask for uh, a bigger piece to the bigger pitcher, then I'm fine with that too. I'm yeah. not really, you know, attached yeah. to Frank Nitty. I think while we have him, we should probably keep him at the two guard. Mm-hmm. I don't love when they run him at the one. He's not—he's obviously not aggressive enough. He's very passive, but I think. Tom Thibodeau should use him as a two where he just gets him sprinting to the corners and, you know, off doing those catch and shoot three balls. And you do that, you play some defense and you have yourselves a, a three and D wing maybe one day, but he's got to start producing consistently. He was, there was that stretch just last week or this past week, zero points per game for like four games in a row mm-hmm. until yep. he broke out against the, um, is it the magic? The magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. Um, Dude, do you have any final thoughts on the Knicks or anything, man? When you say final thoughts, like what we're we gonna do in the second half? Yeah, what do you did you have anything you predicting or, or anything you want to see? Uh, I'm pre- I'm not predicting a major trade. I think any move we make is going to be small in nature. Um, but I definitely think we're going to do something, especially yeah. with the way the injuries are, are are adding up. I know we're getting played back, but I, I think Tom Thibodeau is gonna want a little bit more ammunition for this second half. So I, I think there will be a small move made. Yeah, my hope. Um, just something to boost our shooting a bit would be great. Um, but I, I'm really hoping Rose can get back soon because he was he was really good for us, dude. He he played – whenever you took the floor, the Knicks played at a fast pace, right? Whenever you find – Alfred Payton's obviously a slower-paced guard. Quickly is going to do his thing as a shooter, going to throw up those threes and, and the floaters. But I feel like when you put D-Rose on the floor, the Knicks played faster, aggressive, and – he opened up a lot on the perimeter too with his driving kick game. So mm-hmm. I'm ready for him to get back. Um, I, I'm really excited for Derek Rose. I don't know when, I don't know. It was a weird thing. Like, did he have, did he, did they say he had COVID or anything? I mean, there was some word going around that there was something tragic in uh, his, his in circle, oh. his inner circle. So he uh, was dealing with that and then he came back. I think something about a funeral he had to attend. And then after that, he had to, enter the protocols and stay away from the team for like, was it four or five days? I think is the, the actual time table. Right. I agree. Uh, I, I think it was, yeah, there's some kind of protocol, but mm-hmm. hopefully he gets back soon. I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for him to. He was with the team Thursday. Yeah, he was fucking... like that Taj Gibson's situation. Remember when Gibson yeah. we signed him, but they said he's in COVID protocols, but he's sitting on the bench with the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that shit too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm hoping it's soon. <laughs> that, was, that was fucked. <laughs> All right, man. Um, uh, Kise, I appreciate you coming on the show, dude. It, it's it's, yeah, it's huge to get somebody like you. I know you got a big, you got like two and a half K following you. So it, it's always nice to have someone like you come on the show. So I appreciate it, man. Definitely, man. Anytime, just shoot me an email. Yeah, and if you want to, if you want to, uh, put in your plug. Nobody tunes into this anyway, but if you want to put in any one of your plugs for that to, to tell the, the two people who listen to this where they can find you, go ahead. You, they can check me out at Sports Vibes TV on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. All right. Thanks, man. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.